If you would, go ahead and open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. That's where we're going to be spending our time this morning. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, there's one in the seat in front of you or the seat next to you. If you don't have a Bible at all, please take that one home. It's our gift to you. We'd love for you to have it. There's some doodles in it, and you don't want doodles. We'll, we'll get you a new one. But we want you to have God's Word in your home. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. It says, And he said... I want to pause there because Jesus is the he and Jesus is telling a story. I love stories. I really do. As a kid, I I grew up just loving to read. I would read every chance I got. And in fact, some of the opportunities where I wasn't supposed to be reading, I would still try to do so anyways. I'd hide a book and a flashlight underneath my pillow And this is confession time because my parents are sitting right here. But I'd hide that and then once they tucked me in, you know, I'd I'd sneak and like get a book and a flashlight. Kids, this was before smartphones and tablets. You're like, why didn't you just use a tablet? It's got a light built in. We didn't have those back then. Flashlight's a thing that kind of looks like a lightsaber and it puts out light and you're able to read. It's kind of cool. Anyways, as I got older, I enjoyed the stories that were told through movies and television and I still just love enjoying a good movie that tells a really good story. And now I love even more so getting to hear stories from friends and family and especially just stories about kids and and stuff like that. I got three kids of my own and just love telling stories about them as well. You know, our culture just loves stories. But I think it's more than just our culture. I think just people in general love stories. Jesus told a lot of stories. He wasn't on this earth a significantly large amount of time, and especially doing his ministry, he was only doing his ministry for about three years. And during that time, he wanted to get out a lot of truth. He wanted to share and to teach a lot of things. And so he used stories that taught, because he knew that stories would stick. If I if I asked you to give me a summary of all the things that Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, some of you biblical scholars might be able to, but a lot of you would be hard-pressed to. But if I asked you for the parable of the Good Samaritan or the parable of the talents, you might be able to rattle that off pretty quick and then tell me the lesson that's connected to it as well. Stories stick. And in fact, right here, Jesus is telling a story, and it's the third of a trilogy of stories that all have the same idea to it, uh, the same basic premise. Something that was lost is now found. So let me pray and invite God here as we dive into this story together. Lord, I'm still just pausing and reflecting on what we got to witness together and just remembering who you are. Lord, you came and you lived your life and and, and told stories and, and, and wanted to teach us truths, but you did so much more than that. You took a sacrifice that, that wasn't yours to pay. And you paid a debt that we could never have returned. And you did it for us. And for that, we're forever grateful. Lord, as we're here, I, I pray that we hear the story and more than that, the deeper truth that you're wanting to convey to us. 
Lord, remove the distractions, remove uh, whatever may be vying for our attention, and let us just dial in and focus on you this morning and hear what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, it's story time. So as we read, picture everything in your head. Put yourself into the story. Who do you connect with? And also just enjoy it, as all good stories should be enjoyed. But listen for the deeper truths that Jesus is trying to convey. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. And Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what those things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you and I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Now, there's three main characters in this story. Jesus starts his story by pointing this out. He says, there was a man, character number one, who had two sons, characters number two and three. I wanted to spend our time by pointing out a few things about each of these characters. And we're going to start with the younger son. Now, I know some of you like filling in blanks. So there's a sheet in the bulletin there which has got a lot of blanks, you know, so feel free to go ahead and fill that out. Kids, on the back of that sheet, there's a connect the dots, so you are more than welcome to do that, color it in. Adults, on the back of the sheet, there's a connect the dots, so you are more than welcome to do that and color that in. Have a good time with that. I love blank fill-ins, so have some, some blank fill-ins as we go. Let's take a look at the younger son. First of all, he was selfish. 
He was selfish. He says, give me, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. He's self-centered. He's self-focused. He was concerned about him. Second, he was impatient. He wanted his share before it was even time for him to receive it. Look, Dad, I know at some point you're going to die and I'm going to get a bunch of stuff from you, but I can't wait that long. Give it to me now. I can't even wait for you to die. I, I want my stuff now. And then he has it and he goes off and spends it quickly. It says he squandered his property in reckless living. He was impatient. But also we see that his selfishness and impatience get him in trouble. It says in verse 14, when he had spent everything, so now he has nothing, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. And where are his friends? Nowhere. It says, no one gave him anything. Now, this is where most of us, and rightly so, start to be a little bit introspective and put ourselves into that story, trying to connect with the, the younger son a little bit. Oh, he was, he was selfish. Well, you know what? I, I see some connections with that because I am selfish too. I put myself first. I am most concerned about my needs. I get upset when things aren't going my way. I complain about the bad things that are happening to me. We're a very self-involved and self-centered culture. I can connect with that. Yeah, he was selfish. Yeah, I am too. Also, I am impatient. I want things now. See this from culture. All we have to do is take a look at how home shopping has changed. Kids, way back in the day, there were these things called catalogs. You'd go to your favorite store and, and ask them to, to mail you a catalog, or you know, maybe they'd have a big stack of them. They, these things were huge. You know, if you really hated one of your siblings, you could throw it at your sibling and like knock them over because they're so heavy. Not that I did that. I promise. <laughs> but... It was just the peak of convenience at the time. Wow, like you could shop from home and you had this catalog which had absolutely everything that this store sold. Well, unless they were out of stock. And all you had to do was, was flip through the pages to find the thing you need or you'd flip back to the index and what page is that on? And oh, there's two different pages and oh, okay, this is what I want. I think this is, you know, and you're writing everything down on a separate sheet of paper. And then you finally have everything. You rip out that thing in the center to fill out your order and then, you know, mail it in and send, put on the stamp and shoom, off it goes. You know, or, you know, they, they finally figured it out and offered calling as well. So you could call them and say, here are the things that I want. Item 6JKL, oops, that's an M. Uh, you know, and like trying to communicate and, oh, I'm sorry, we're out of stock of that one, but would you like it in purple instead? No, I don't want it in purple. And, you know, back and forth. And, and, and finally your order gets in and after a mere six weeks, there is that item that you've ordered. Convenience, right? Well, that definitely wasn't fast enough. For us, And this wonderful thing came along called the Internet. This even more wonderful thing came along called Amazon.com. Not a sponsor. And there was your online catalog, in a sense. You know, everything at your fingertips, and it's updated all the time. I'd, 
how frustrating was it to flip through that paper catalog and, and find the thing you want only to find out, oh, we discontinued that item. Ah, come on! You know, so now you've finally got something that's always updated, always ready there for you. You, all you have to do is just type in what you want, you know, and bam, there's all your different options. And you finally pick the thing that you want, you know, and it's so nice and easy and you click and, you know, you can always tell whether something's in stock, at least for the most part. You know, and then you put in your order and then, Instead of waiting six weeks, you only have to wait two weeks, and then boom, there it is at your door. But you know what? For our wonderfully impatient culture, two weeks is too long. So Amazon came out with something called Amazon Prime, and now you can get it in a mere two days. But still, you know what? That's just not fast enough. So Amazon came out with something called Amazon Prime Now, and there's a select number of items that you can get within two Hours of ordering. Are we an impatient culture? I, I kind of think so. I kind of think we are. I was uh, out yesterday and uh, I needed some cash because I was going uh, to the store and, and they only took cash. Imagine the frustration, only taking cash. Come on. And I needed some cash, so there was an ATM a, a couple doors down, and I go and I try to use my ATM card, and there's an issue with it. Like, it, it doesn't give me cash. So I'm frustrated, and I try it a couple times. And then I go to the bank, and I use a, the card there. Surely it'll work there. No, it doesn't work there. Well, now I'm really frustrated, and I call the bank. What's going on? Why isn't my card? I need cash, and I need it right now. And uh, they tell me, oh, we, we sent you a new card, and uh, you need to use that card because we've canceled the one that you're trying to use and so you need to use this new card. Well, where's my new card? Oh, it's probably at home. Well, now I gotta drive all the way back home and get the new card. And then I gotta punch in all the numbers and activate it. And then once I've got it activated, now I can go back to the bank and get my cash and then go back to the store. So frustrating! And I got real upset yesterday and was really frustrated by just like the, the annoyance and how long it took me to get my cash. And then I sit down last night to review my notes for this morning. I am impatient. I, I did some uh, apologizing there and uh, seeked forgiveness. Yeah. Are we impatient? I, I think we are. I am impatient. Also, my selfishness and impatience get me into trouble. Our culture tells us that we deserve to get what we want and get it now without even having to wait for actually having the money. There's these amazing things called credit cards. Amazing, right? Amazing things called credit cards where you can just buy whatever you want and don't even worry about the money. We'll figure that out later. As of September, the total United States outstanding consumer debt is $3.5 trillion dollars. That's an average of over $5,000 of credit card debt per adult in the U.S. Some staggering numbers. My selfishness and impatience get me into trouble. But, yes, this trouble can be financial, but it goes so much deeper than consumerism. Maybe your selfishness and impatience get you into physical trouble, eating what you shouldn't, uh, not taking care of your body. Or maybe it gets you into legal trouble or relational trouble. 
My selfishness and impatience has caused me a lot of trouble in my life. It says also in this story that the younger son began to be in need. Are you in need? Are you in need of help? Where do you turn? And it also says that no one gave him anything. Have people walked out on your life either because you're not fulfilling their needs or because your selfishness has hurt them? Have you been left to feed the pigs? Where are you now? And then this wonderful word comes along in the story. But. But. I love the word but in verse 17. But when he came to himself. It's the part of the story where everything seems hopeless. Like, what's he going to do now? And then it turns and changes for the better. But. It says that he came to himself. Uh, Some of your translations uh, might say he came to his senses. That phrase that's being translated from the Greek uh, was a common idiom at that time. uh, And it carried the idea of repentance. So here's a man ready to repent. Came to himself, I'm, I'm ready to repent. So where does he turn? He's ready to repent. Where does he go? Kids, where does he go? Home. Right. He goes home. Now, here's one part where getting the story right is extremely important. Because people often miss this detail, and I've missed it for years. I would have answered exactly the same way. And in a sense, yes, that's the right answer, that he goes home. But take a look at what Scripture actually says. Look at verse 18. I will arise and go to my Father. Verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. Kids, where did he go? To his father. Exactly. His destination was not a place. Rather, it was a person. His destination was not a place. It was a person. And who was that person? It was the father. See, in this story, the house is mentioned only once in verse 25. When the brothers, uh, when the older son's out in the field and he comes and he draws near to the house. That's the only time the house is actually mentioned. And there's other parts in this story where the focal point is the father. You see this in verse 27 when uh, the older son's talking to one of the servants and the servant says, uh, your father's killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. He has received him. The son's coming back to the father. The father's the one doing the receiving. And in verse 31, we see this again as the father's talking to the older son. He says, son, you are always with me. Not you are always at home. You are always with me. The destination is not a place. It's a person. When the younger son was in trouble, when he was in need, he went back to his father. 
He wasn't expecting grace. He wasn't expecting forgiveness. He wasn't expecting everything to be better. He just remembered everyone with his father was cared for. Everyone that was there living with his father was cared for. So now let's be introspective here again. When you're in need, when you're in trouble, when life is too much to handle, where do you go? I've had many times in my own life where things were too hard to handle. Now, granted, some of them were of my own doing, right? My own selfishness, my own impatience, getting me into trouble, just like the younger son. But some of the troubles that I experienced were just the pains of life. We don't have control over those. I watched my oldest son almost die twice. Once due to a bacterial infection, once due to a seizure. Both times, I ran to my father. I said, God, you're in charge. Not me. I asked him to take care of me, my wife, and my son. And he did. If you hear nothing else today, if you remember nothing else, hear this. Go to the Father. Go to God. Life won't be perfect. It won't be free from pain. But it can be free from worry, free from fear, free from the burdens that you shouldn't have to carry. I gave you some space to write down some, some Bible passages, so write these verses down. First of all, Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. It says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is Jesus talking. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And here's another one to write down. John 6, verses 66 to 69. Jesus had just tossed out some really difficult stuff, and it says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Uh, What you're saying is too hard, Jesus. I'm out. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Nowhere else to go. He is a good, good Father. He's a good father. So we should run to him. Now, how did the father receive his son? Here comes back the son. The son doesn't know what to expect from the father. Is he going to get yelled at? Is he going to get chastised? Is he going to get turned away? He doesn't know, but he comes back. How did the father receive his son? First of all, he offered Grace. He offered grace. Though the son was penitent, look at the father's reaction in verse 20. He arose and came to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion 
and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, as, almost as if he didn't hear that, bring quickly the pest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. He offered grace. Didn't matter to him what his son did. He was happy to receive him. Today we're celebrating Easter. And yes, there's Easter eggs and baskets and too much candy for us to eat, bunnies, flowers, all that wonderful stuff about Easter. Just fantastic. But today is about celebrating our Savior who died to take the punishment for our sins. And he didn't stay dead. He arose, conquering sin and death so that He could offer us grace. Today, that grace is extended to you. So receive it. It's as simple as doing what the younger son did. He went to his father, repented, and received grace. If you've never done that before, and you want to do that now, I would encourage you to do it. Receive the grace that the Father has offered. But if you want to know more about it or want someone to talk to, um, I'm here. I'd love to chat with you. Love to chat with Dave as well. Dave would love to chat with you. Uh, We'd love to just talk to you more about that. Or if that's a little awkward today, that's what that card is there for as well. Go ahead and fill out that card. Check the appropriate boxes. And then when the offering basket comes by, just drop that in. We want to connect with you. We want to talk with you more about what it means to receive that grace. Our biggest desire here at Neighborhood Bible Church for every single one that comes in here is that you have a relationship with Jesus, that you experience the wonder and beauty of God's grace. The Father offered grace. And also, he celebrated. He celebrated. Look at verses 22 to 24. The father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. They threw a party. They had a great time. He's back. Hooray. Let's celebrate. And here we've got these other two stories that have this, this same idea. Look back uh, in uh, verses 6 and 7. Here's a man that's looking for a sheep that was lost. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Let's have a party. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And then there's a woman that has a coin that's lost. And it says, and when she found it, verse 9, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The father celebrated. He celebrates anytime someone comes home. Oh, what a great end to the story. Celebration. A big party. Here this son went off and he squandered his father's wealth and he's, he's destitute and he's wanting to eat pig slop, but he can't even eat that because uh, no one will give him any. And so he finally just like 
says, I'm going to go come home to my father. And he comes home and his father embraces him. And there's a big party. And oh, what a great story. The end. Right? No. It's not the end. The story keeps going. And this is one of those, like, are you ever watching a movie or watching a TV show or, 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 or reading a good book? And you're like, man, everything's sewing up just so nicely. Everything's coming together. Everyone's happy. The end, the end, the end. And the story keeps going. And you're like, oh, great. Now what's going to happen? You know it's not going to get better, right? It's just fantastic at this point. Something else is going to happen. And here the story keeps going. Because here we have the older son. Ah, the older son. Verse 25. It says, His older son was in the field. As he came, he drew near to the house, heard music and dancing. Hey, what's going on? Why is there this big celebration? Hey, your brother came back. Isn't that great? Look at verse 28. But he was angry and refused to go in. He was, he was mad. Look, Dad, I've been faithful. I've done everything you wanted. I've obeyed you. I've, 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 I've followed along after everything. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't throw away your money. And now he gets a party? Kids, if you had to imagine what the son would have said next, what the older son would have said, look, I've been good, I've obeyed, I've done everything right, but the the son that disobeyed, the son that messed everything up, he gets a party? That's not fair. fair. That's right. That's not fair. I've done everything right. Why does he get the party? That's not fair. Why does Jesus include this in his story? Why does he put it in there? This part was very intentional. And to understand a little bit, a little bit more, we need to know who Jesus was telling this story to. So flip back to Luke 15. We're staying in Luke 15. Look at the first two verses to kind of get a little context of what's going on here. It says... Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. How could someone who who loves God's word, who's passionate about it, who's trying to teach it to others, how could he eat with sinners, with tax collectors, See, the Pharisees and the scribes were the religious elite of their day. People looked up to them. If they had the technology back then, I'm sure they would have had, you know, Pharisee cards instead of baseball cards. And kids would collect and, oh man, I got this guy. Do you have him? You know, let's trade. You know, like, you know, like they looked up to these people. They were the model of righteousness, the model of perfection. Most were proud of how righteous they were. Look at how good I am. Look at how wonderful I am. I do everything right. By including the part about the older son, 
Jesus is trying to show these Pharisees and scribes the bigger picture. See, Jesus desperately wants his children to come to him no matter how far they've strayed. No matter how far they've gone. He's wanting the Pharisees to see that their grumbling and their arrogance is unwarranted. I love what the father says to his older son in verse 31. You can see his love for both of his sons. Verse 31, he says, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. You're always with me. The older son was blind to what was right in front of him, to what he had. You're always with me, and all that I have is yours. All that is mine is yours. Let me invite the band up as I ask this question, as we look introspectively yet again. Do you identify with the older son? Do you feel like you're justified, righteous? Well, look, I may have made some mistakes, but I'm not as bad as that guy. Or, you know, I may have made mistakes, but, you know, I'm a good person. I don't kill anybody. I'm a good person. You need the Father's grace just as much as the younger son. Maybe you've forgotten the grace that was extended to you. You've forgotten how good it is to be with your father. Or maybe you're hoping that your own goodness will be enough. That as long as you stay ahead of others, you're going to be okay. God doesn't grade on a curve. It's not like there's a bear chasing everyone and as long as you stay ahead of the other people, you're not going to get eaten. They're the the ones that are going to get eaten. That's not the way God works. He says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us need God's grace. One of the definitions of the word prodigal is one who has returned after an absence. And sure, we, we often call this story uh, the, the parable of the prodigal son. But this is a title that, that we've attached to the story. I really hope that the older son realizes that he's a prodigal too. That he's been absent from his father, relying on his goodness to save him. See, Jesus wanted the Pharisees and scribes to see that they needed God's grace just as much as the sinners and the tax collectors. So whether you identify with the younger son and feel lost, you feel hopeless, you feel in need of grace, or whether you identify with the older son and feel justified, righteous, having forgotten the goodness of God's grace, today is the day to return to your father. For we are are all prodigals. We have all wandered. We all need to come back to our Savior. Back to Jesus. Lord, thank you so much for loving us the way that you do. 
for being ready to extend grace. We don't deserve it. There's no way we could earn it. Lord, we have all wandered. We all need your grace. So thank you so much for being quick to offer it to us, to give it to us. Lord, I pray for anyone in here that that feels like the younger son, they just feel lost. They feel like they're too far gone. There's no way God can forgive me. Lord, let them remember how big you are and how ready you are to forgive anything. And for those that have been hanging on to their own goodness, help them realize that they need you too. They need your grace. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying, for, for, for paying a debt that we could never have. Thank you for rising from the dead, defeating sin and death, and for offering us grace. We love you. Amen.